Hey, this is Mud and Chrome, an Altered Carbon podcast. I'm Vin Velding, and today I'm watching episode 6, Man With My Face. Three, two, one. <sighs> so, we're apparently going to keep doing this Patchwork Man stuff. I think that's great. I do want to make a correction about the last episode, where I completely missed the opportunity to reference that Simpsons episode, where they're like, oh, hey, you when... When the um, the Yakuza were fighting the the Italian mafia, and they're doing it on the Simpsons front yard, and Marge brings home Rainer, and I was like, "Oh come on, that, that little guy hasn't done anything yet. It's gonna be cool." And then he goes inside, and you hear the little "Yeah," and Homer goes, "Oh." I kind of feel like we got to see that scene because uh, in the last episode with the elevator fight, because you know he's gonna do badass stuff, and then he just has like a skin puller weapon, which again is a silly weapon. But it's a pretty decent fight scene. Elevator fight scenes are pretty good. Uh, we get a flash forward here, like NCIS, like that really good show, NCIS, that we all love, which is fucking garbage. So, um, this motherfucker doesn't know what an ambulance is or how it works. Is he from 200 years ago or 2,000 years ago? Because, honestly, he does he does know nothing, almost nothing about this setting. Which is strange, because the envoys have stacks. So I assume that stacks were just standard issue for back in the day. And, um, therefore a lot of these other technological things? Maybe they were just from the point in time when stacks first became universally used? Or maybe they're just like the first generation of people to do stacks, even though they hated the moral implications of immortality, which seems to be the the envoy philosophy which we are never told um this is a cute little scene i think they overcast this lady like she's she's too perfect for this part um that can't be a sanitary surface like even before kovacs comes in and kovacs it up and how do cops not have insurance in this universe are the police unions just terrible it's goddamn garbage and then like her special little hoop lights are so cheap that they just can't stay on <laughs> What the fuck? Fuck. So, it is convenient that this character, well, almost all characters in, in television, pull from the upper crust of society, right? Because financial challenges are never compelling television. So, you know, Rachel and friends can afford a huge apartment. Um, he's got access to Bancroft's credit card. And, um, you know, the people in Star Trek live in an implied post-scarcity utopia because um, they live in a post-scarcity utopia. Despite the almost complete lack of an economic dimension to their future, um, because people don't just want to talk about economics. Until Deep Space Nine, of course. Um, so, I like that he spits on the thing and that does the DNA, as well as... It does the DNA to pay for the medical procedure, as well as showing contempt. It's it's very efficient. So she gets a robot arm, which I gave this show enough credit to assume it wouldn't do anything stupid regarding physics and leverage and muscles and tendons. And they did. They did do something stupid. Oh, here's the predictable point where Elliot fucks shit up. That's such a weird glass to have. It's I've seen glasses like that. They're glasses that look like Coke cans. Which are kind of funny because, you know, it's 
it's a glass which is a good permanent sort of fluid holder imitating a much cheaper disposable inferior aluminum can design um, I regard it as being very low class and I don't know why Poe would have those unless Elliot brought his glassware from home so these scenes are great I like the little VR vision uh, Poe again just being amazing these are the adventures of Poe and Elliot uh, I'm always down for this even though Elliot's gonna kind of screw things up but he's way too adversarial and for a series that seems on a track to appeal to some sort of nativism as long as it isn't specifically religious um, Elliot seems to cut against that in that he's just an idiot who doesn't get how psychology works he reminds me of Chief O'Brien in Star Trek because after a certain point Chief O'Brien is sort of like a regular person who doesn't get all this future stuff you just don't like it um, and so Elliot is the same way where like he's from this time he understands this condition he understands psychosurgery and the ability of computers to know and treat these things again I don't know why computers don't run everything in this this setting um, and then he immediately ascribes some sort of sexual motivation to Poe's actions <laughs> and like skipping over the part where it's like yeah traumatized, pe traumatized people should learn self-defense um, he Elliot's being a jerk and he doesn't understand AI in the slightest well I guess it is Poe's cup isn't it because he breaks it I do like it's a good transition for Poe to move between these things because Elliot's is ready to die does Elliot want to die for like no reason he can't possibly be that stupid it's impossible for him to be that stupid and yet he is and he's such an underwritten supporting character when he could be competent in his own right and he's not useful to fucking Kovacs it seems so I may have completely forgotten the part of this story where Elliot is useful to Kovacs but I, I ain't seen it yet I like that Quell is is a part of Kovacs because he's brooding up here on the roof now because Ortega's in surgery because she got her skin ripped off by the skin ripper uh, mustache watchers skin ripper and so he's having this mood this big mood on the ceiling where his collar is completely dry even though it's pouring down rain and so Quell comes to him in the vision and she's like I'm the worst part of your personality and just a figment of your imagination it's like well fuck, fuck what what like like she should be the best parts of his psyche she should be the things that are reminding him of, of his training and of why he left SeaTac and joined the envoys and the good parts of his life and the high ideals it's like when he's in an alleyway thinking of blowing his own stack out or whatever like she kinda comes back to it but she should be more consistently the good part arguing against him just being sad and we're introduced to the concept of sleeve memory and pheromones which I don't I don't think humans are really like a pheromone species we say that because it's funny but I don't, I don't think it's a real thing I'll buy sleeve memory though I'll buy sleeve memory that's fine like there's something in his brain in 
Elias uh, uh, Dick's brain that you know is still there like memory engrams and stuff that interfere with talk like I get that so he's just being a little bitch I think his coat's finally wet I don't know why he's just waiting in the rain. There's got to be bitches inside. Maybe there's too many people in there. So this bit where Quell goes away and he quits having an internal conversation. And when Elliot talks to him and, uh, you know, has they have this very just person-to-person -person thing. And the conversation is... There's a, there's a conversation in Deep Space Nine where... Two aliens sit down at a bar and have a conversation about geopolitics, and they both come to it with their own character, but also the weight of their own culture. And it says, hey, look, we've developed this universe to the point where we can have this conversation. And this conversation um, plays on it, the conversation between Elliot and Kovacs. So they... Um, so... so, so we're building on that. We can have this conversation about, oh, do you not want to get a sleeve? Oh, she's been coated. Oh, we're going to get a robot arm. Oh, she's attached to her sleeve. That's great. It, it, it's just a regular conversation you can have after you've gotten us somewhere. Um, and, uh, so I guess, and then we kind of reiterate that, um, Kovacs just wants what he wants. And Elliot's like, you don't care about nobody. And I feel like at the end he's going to go, I'm Mr. T. I care now. I learn to care. Like, is Kovacs going to reignite the envoys? That He got he got retattooed in episode one, right? Or does he just not give a shit about anyone or anything? Or is this not giving a shit about anybody the way that he's going to rebuild the envoys? Because there was, there was a clip where he had Elliot and he had the gun dealer. And, and Quinn in his brain was like, oh, always find out new friends and take what's offered. And yeah, bleh. and you're like, oh, so he's going to rebuild the envoys. But now he's just being a dick to Elliot. And we haven't seen Gun Guy and Ortega's down one arm or up one arm, depending on how you count arms. So then we get some behind the scenes stuff. And um, you get Bancroft's lawyer and Captain Tanaka, police Captain Tanaka. And... They're having a crappy conversation where she makes him her bitch um, by threatening some stuff. And then she makes him look like a bitch in front of his men. Um, the thing is, though, like, we learned that, that Captain Tanaka is kind of a dirty cop because, I mean, he works for the real authority in town, which is the, Me the Methuselahs, the Meths. And you cannot have a pawn like that and treat them like a pawn when their value to you is your authority. So she's being kind of stupid here. She's like, hey, maybe we could talk about this in your office. And Tanaka's not an idiot. He doesn't need to stand over the bloody elevator crime scene and just just, just police chief all over it. The deal is, is that, you know, he needs to maintain his authority. He can step aside, they can have a conversation. Here's my least favorite conversation of the entire fucking episode so far. Where you got the tech guy and you got Tanaka. And Tanaka's like, "What? why were you working on this invisible guy? And he's like, I was just fucking in secret. It was weird, but, you know, I was investigating it. And Tanaka's like, why didn't you tell me? 
Yeah, people died because you didn't tell me about this. Like, what the fuck, Tanaka? Do you have magic guy hacks cameras on the fly technology? He's just so angry. And then IT guy's like, I'm working on it. And Tanaka's like, you better be certain before you give me any theories. And why didn't you tell me? It's like, well, I was... Look, pick one, dude. I can either come to you with absolute certainties, or I can tell you every little thing. I can't do both. But Tanaka's just yelling at a guy because he's angry. And the story's like, he's right. Mikey here, the IT guy, fucked up. Um, Mikey, baby, you got nothing to be sorry about. You were investigating a weird thing. And then the weird thing, like, hap- fucked you, fucked Ortega. And you, you, you couldn't have stopped it. You, you didn't, like, solve the puzzle and then just go like, oh, I'll tell Ortega at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. It's, it's Miller time. And just go home. Like, he didn't do that. He was working on it. He wasn't done working on it. Ah, oh, fucking. So here we meet another Methuselah that wasn't at Bancroft's party. And he saved the Russian assassin guy who is now in the racist body. And I like that the Methuselah is bringing us down to the ground here. Because, um... Because he's like, that dude wasn't your brother. He was a copy of you, you dick. And you forked that copy a long time ago, and you both went into so many different sleeves that you're both crazy assholes. Also, I've saved you because... Why did this guy save him? Like, I appreciate that he's a new character. I appreciate that he's monologuing well. He's telling us kind of what they're up to. He's giving us this wide plan. He explains that Mustache Dragon is his is Mustache Watcher is his dragon, his right hand man, who's super deadly. We understand the Russian has some value, even though he's been basically incompetent. Both copies of him have been very incompetent for this whole fucking thing. And he's useless. He's a useless fucking asshole. Anyway, the the universe setting thing where he uploads a copy of himself. And Demi considers killing him, and this guy gets, like, the flesh ripper, and is like, Hey, I'm Mustache Watcher. Don't even fucking think about it. While the Methuselah dude is, is uploading a copy of himself to the, the backup server. It's a good little moment. This is another good scene in this episode. Although, in it, the one flaw is that it doesn't explain what fucking value Demi has to these people. They rescue him, and then because, spoilers, Demi dies at the end of the episode... Um, because he's a stupid Russian idiot. He, we were never going to know. Because he's not going to say, we were going to use Demi to do something, but we guess we can't. So, it's pointless. Like, we learn nothing. The The Russian's just here to give us our, our once per episode assassination attempt for this episode, which is a good one. I think it's the best one yet. As, as you would expect, as a series matures and moves on, you would expect the threats to the heroes to get more credible. I can't believe I'm halfway through this thing. We're on episode 6 of 10, so we're getting to the end game. Thank God. This is the scene I forgot about. This is how Elliot's helpful to him. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sh- I mean... God. It's like our only gays in the series, and they're, they're just the worst. They're the most defeat useless, gay. Yeah, he just... He, whatever was happening with that gun, that goes away. And then Kovacs, the SeaTac officer, envoy badass, in the body of a super cop, 
is like, mm. oh, I didn't have a gun a minute ago. I had a gun. Maybe we can just not worry about that gun and the other guy behind us. The dude gets the drop on them. They could have both been dead because they're idiots. And I don't even know what Elliot's stake is here. I guess Bancroft hurt his girl? I guess we know that this exact one son of Bancroft didn't do anything because... See, and if, if fucking Kovacs was a badass here, when the guy moved the gun to shoot and then shot, then he would have nut-tapped him with the rifle and motherfucking beat him up. So, whatever. They, they follow up on the stuff they learned in the last episode about Bancroft's gay son. He has like 20 kids or whatever, but he only seems to have one gay son and then a, a, hoe, a hoe daughter. So they, they confirm that the gay son, to make his dad proud, stole into his father's, a copy of his father's body, made, made a copy of his dad's body, took the Jap Japan meeting, sealed the deal with favorable terms, and um, absolutely wrecked shit to get his dad's respect. And, like, what what is Bancroft's calendar like? Did he, did the kid pretend to be Bancroft Call up the Japanese guys and go, Hey guys, I want to do a meeting as Bancroft and seal this whole deal tonight. And then Bancroft is like, Oh, hey, we're going to go to the movies. No, I have a different meeting in Japan. Cause, and then he, he needle casts back. And his wife is like, He was up, I went home. Because you remember that from episode two. So, did, did, did Bancroft just needle cast into a box? Did he just go into a waiting room? Did he, was he shot into VR? Because he came back from Japan. So ostensibly, he remembered going to Japan because he had a meeting in Japan. And then he came back and he had to remember having had a meeting. But he didn't have the meeting. His son had the meeting. Unless the son swapped with him earlier and took over his schedule. But then at some point, Bancroft has to remember going to the meeting did the kid just tie him up and put him in the trunk of a car and then blow his brains out and then dad reboots and and therefore doesn't remember being usurped in the meeting but then who messes with the needle cast to try to corrupt Bancroft and I think we get the impression here that the son did do it and Kovacs is defending him because he was abused as a child and he reads the abusive issue in the room where Bancroft threatens to totally destroy, destroy uh, his son, to real death his own son. Um, which tells you a lot, of, uh, a lot about Bancroft because he's, I guess, just an evil asshole after more. So after all, and after the episode where we saw him like go to this plague thing and experience the results of the bioweapon plague, we thought maybe he's like a strong-willed good guy. I... But he's just an asshole. And the son's just a big gay beau. He's, he's, a, he's a stereotyped gay dude. And again, this episode barely acknowledges that homosexuality or bisexuality exists. And when it does, they put it, they put it in a stereotype. Um, I'm glad they're tacitly acknowledging he's gay and that that's not really an issue for anybody. Uh, respect to Miss Bancroft for standing between him and her son, which, if he's gonna be a man, he should totally be able to, like, 
beat his dad's ass unless like his his sleeve is intentionally kept weak just so that Bancroft can beat up his own kids. So instead of beating up his son with the dildo slash fire poker, um, I think we should accept that everything in the Bancroft household has probably been up someone's ass at some point. These people are depraved. So he just he just beats his clone to death, gets blood and everything, and gives a professional send-off to Kovacs. And I feel like we're back at square one with this investigation. Because the son had an alibi, as it turns out. He was with his son. He was with his boyfriend doing something at the time. But they didn't offer that sooner because the boyfriend has some sort of principle about not having to justify where he is. This is a good elevator scene where they're done with the meeting. We've released all the tension. Everyone has a little bit of Bancroft's clone blood on them. And so the lawyer who wants to be a meth more than anything is like, yeah, no, I'm cool. I can still do this. I will do whatever it takes to get into this strata. And... So Kovacs gives her the image of Mustache Watcher, which I assume will be important later because when Kovacs was given the image of Mustache Watcher, he saw the dude like a scene later and instantly recognized him from the police recreation of it. So anyway, I asked this question again as Mustache Watcher escorts the Russian assassin to the safe house. Why is this guy still alive? Also, I would watch a series with just these two. Because they're, they're very different, but they're very alike. They're both bad guys with different styles. But also, right before Demi jumps off this catwalk and runs away, like, how... Why did you save this stupid asshole? So we're going to have a chase in here. And there's not too much to talk about it, other than... <laughs> Demi's going to jump off this random-ass catwalk. And... They're going to do a chase scene where he jumps off the eaves and boxes and runs through crowds and knocks over tables and, you know, basic stuff. Excuse me. Basically, Demi has the land speed of a gazelle. Uh, when you're enforced, you got to chase someone. Height height is better, you know? Like, cardio is great. But this guy does, like, like a kickflip or something to get over a bike. Um, they try to keep this visually interesting. It's just a chase scene where a racist outruns a small Asian man. Uh... But the deal is, is that Demi is running to a tattoo parlor, okay? To a tattoo parlor. And in one of the seats of this tattoo parlor is a secret laptop. So Demi can rip up, rip the seat off of, of the tattoo parlor, open it up, pull out the laptop, and there's like a thing where I guess you can broadcast your stack to someone else because apparently... Your consciousness is linked to a stack, but it's not exclusive to one stack. So maybe people have stacks inside of them, and then you just copy their brains into another stack. So you don't have to rip out someone's stack to put someone into their body. Like maybe... I've complained before about how Ortega is putting so many people into this, this racist dude's body, right? Um, maybe you do just do that electronically where you just say, hey, you just transmit through this black neck brace, and therefore you just move a file, which has a lot of questions, because then you don't need to put people in a stack at all. You can put them in anything. You, it's Carnage, Red Brewer again. I'm excited to see this character. So then, then you're just transferring files. So the stack isn't even super important, 
because you can just transfer the contents of a stack to another stack does that overwrite the source does it if when the russian when the original races died did his stack just become empty or did ortega when she wrote her grandmother into the racist body overwrite the races and therefore real death him did they swap is there like a little abuela in a, a closet somewhere a little abuela stack and she's like a racist for like the entire night of all hallows eve i have so many questions about just being able to like needle casting is one thing because it's something methuselahs do where they're like yep i'm gonna my consciousness up to an expensive satellite and back down to another sleeve with i guess another stack so maybe maybe these are questions which have been here to, for a while i mean a methuselah could just buy a separate stack right these seem like expensive things whereas the neck brace is just like oh whatever <laughs> i'm gonna run to the store now and then you put the neck brace on you go, and then like in in target of the future there's like a a, a sleeve that goes Bloop. oh hey yeah no all right so eggs and milk <laughs> and he just gets the eggs and milks for you and puts it in a box and i don't know ships it to you and then goes back into the shelf in the target and then you're home you're like woo breakfast has been shipped Maybe he hands it off to a courier. I don't know. Um, so, I just, um, I guess once you buy goods, the 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 time saved by needle casting isn't great. Anyway, so Kovacs is back in the hospital, and Ortega's like, "Is it you, Dick?" He's like, "Oh, she don't care about me. She just cares about Dick." It's like, well, fucking, if you've got it, flaunt it. And so he wants to leave, but then Elliot's like, well, fucking Dick ain't here, man. It's just you and Zool floating around in there. So deal with it and sit here all night in the hospital like it's a cliche and then wake up at roughly the same time. You know, she wakes up, you wake up. Oh, you're there when she wakes up. So he breaks the hard news to her, which she's going to take hard because she hates people dying. Uh, Lady Anakin over here. And... Uh, she doesn't take it well. She learns she has a robot arm. It just seems like the hospital would have someone come in here and be like, oh, hey, um, she's going to naturally wake up. We're going to administer a stimulant so she doesn't, not a stimulant, a depressant to keep her down for a second. We're going to get a medical team in here. We're going to wake her up. Uh, we're going to call her mom, and everyone's going to be here when she wakes up, and we're going to give her a little briefing on what happened. Um, and then she'll, she'll adjust. She has to go through physical ther therapy for the new arm. You can't just slap right an adamantium arm onto someone and then have them use it without um without training so here so she grabs a bedpost and crunches it down one the she can crush it she can crush that post because that's all her arm doing crunching that's vice behavior she cannot bend it down because when she pushes down that hard it will lift her body up instead and she will do one of those little exercises where you you're on the you're on the the, the charlie horse the pommel horse and you're just pushing yourself up like a gymnast because that's how that works um she cannot generate outward force with that arm without pushing back on her own self and if she punches hard enough to say i don't know separate someone's arm from their shoulder her arm will also separate from her shoulder because that arm is doing all the pushing right it's when she punches she's going to push her shoulder away from her hand basically and whatever ad um, adjoins just constrains that expansion is going to get messed up 
whether that's a dude's face or her own shoulder. It's 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 bad physics is what it is. And I thought it wouldn't happen, and yet it, it happens almost instantly. She has no physical therapy. She uses the arm. It's not it's not the future. It's Mimorex. It's fucking garbage. I'm I am actually down for Carnage and Tack versus Kovacs and All Comers. Honestly, I just I'm down for that fight. Um, she should be fired, BT Dubs, for what she pulled with the Russian dude. But I, mean, I guess we can't talk about how she should be fired because we're going to operate under the delusion that Mickey should be fired for investigating something which uh, came down on them before he had a chance to do shit about it. And now because Kovacs is a detective for some reason and Tanaka bought too many flowers, too many flowers for Ortega, Tanaka's behind it all. He's working with the meths. He's guilty of something. And you know, no one was supposed to get hurt is like the classic line for this. It's like, you betrayed us, didn't you? you, I did you what did you sell us out for? And the first words out of the traitor's mouth are always, no one was supposed to get hurt. It's like, <laughs> So once someone got hurt, you like immediately got on your soapbox. And like, everybody, look, I screwed up. I let this happen. It was not supposed to be this bad. Let's stop these guys. I hate them. But it, was, it wasn't supposed to be this bad. But I'm going to let it happen again, I guess. He doesn't give a shit. So then then she shoves Tanaka into the concrete with her, her metal arm. Which, I gotta remind you, one, should break a lot of Ortega, uh, not Ortega, Kanakas. Throwing a guy hard enough to break concrete, possibly even drywall, that will hurt some stuff. Tanaka's ribs are fucked now. In addition to this being physically impossible. Because again, to throw him like that, she has to generate the force from her legs and then through the arm. Uh... But whatever, whatever. She should just grab him by the balls. It's It would be great if there's a scene where it's like, look, you can't punch through a wall or anything because it'll rip your shoulder out of socket. But you can crush something like a gra- like a grapefruit. And then she just grabs or she just grabs Captain Tanaka by the nuts. Putting this dude's nuts in a vice grip would be, one, in accord with physics. Two, not particularly challenging for a woman who's just getting out of the hospital. I don't care how good your medicine is. Uh, your story requires that she still be somewhat hurt from what the fuck she just went through. Um, and then it would just be great to have Tanaka by the balls. Because so many people metaphorically have Tanaka by the balls. So um, now we're in a VR cafe. Uh, I like that she's... <laughs> Pay by the minute, credits up front, low res only. I I think it's great. I, it's It's such a rehearsed line that it works for this place. I don't know if this is illegal or not because it looks illicit and it's downstairs and she take, she gives this good, long, hard look at him. So it, it feels like a cracked in. Um, so I don't... Maybe it's an anonymous VR cafe and the, because people can just have VR in their house at a certain point. Like there's no need for this unless you're doing something really scuzzy that you don't want to be associated with or... Alright, so instantly this is like a cool garrote. Um, and, you know, yeah, you're going to know how this is. So, they're going to go in here and then get in touch with Tanaka's contact. And, again, I, I completely believe this Envoy bullshit about him being able to control his form in VR. I think that's perfectly reasonable for the Envoys to do this. Um... It's, it's an envoy thing, which is subtle, and I like it. <laughs> oh, wow. The, the, 
damn it, Netflix. Okay, so Netflix has subtitles, and when you can't see people, it tells you who's speaking. So they just gave us this Methuselah's name, even though I don't think we had it before. So anyway, his name's Hemingway, which is pretty cool. He could be the German guy. I'm, I'm obsessed with the German guy because he was sort of an important character who seemed to know Tanaka from Tanaka's past. And the deal with this is that people from Tanaka's era, some of them were immortal. Some of them were wealthy enough to become immortal and then do compound interest, and now they're wealthy. Super wealthy. And then... Ortega gets a moment where she's like, it's too quiet upstairs. So, like, they're on the stuff. So you go upstairs and everyone's completely still and there's no noise. And you're like, okay, that guy had a garrote. So he cut off all of their heads. Okay, that's fun. That's interesting. So he cut off all their heads with no blood. Then he balanced all of them. And then we get a freaking, like, adorable, hilarious dominoes scene where all the heads just fall off of everybody at once. That's <laughs> ridiculous. And, he's, and then Demi, who's now in Tox, Tox's original body, goes, I think that's enough. And he throws a grenade at them. And it's like, wait, what? He seemed angry about that. It seems like he should be like, oh, that's enough fun. Yay. Have some grenades. Which is like, Demi's supposed to be like this total badass assassin dude who's an idiot. And now he's in Tox's body. So now he should be an idiot badass assassin guy but instead he throws grenades which I guess is the clever thing to do um when you think about it this is um Takeshi's original body doing stuff I like they're using this actor I, li I would not have expected uh, an Asian actor to have worked on a Russian accent right because why would he ever need that like who's casting for Asians with Russian accents um but he does good with it. And uh, and now our bad guy is in this um, this body and we're just doing action movie lines. And Dini's just being like a standard action movie bad guy. It's pretty stupid. Double sleeping isn't cheap. Well, no, because it's illegal. You made a cop... I hate this. I hate, I've hated this since I saw Total Recall. And Arnold Schwarzenegger kills, I think, Sharon Stone's character... And then Michael Ironside's character is all broke up about it because he was he was her husband or boyfriend or whatever. And he's all like, Ugh. I'm like, dude, you're professional assassins. You murder people. Yeah, someone important to you who's also in the murder business with you got murdered. How do you not just roll with them punches? I'm not sure why Riker is so fucking hated. Um... I don't know if it's like a special invitation because they got blown up and then they got knocked out and then they got woke up and in the meantime fucking uh, Carnage here has oh he has his name on a post in the background has assembled like every motherfucker in the underworld who hates Riker and is willing to pay tons of cold hard cash tons of cash because he, he makes these clone things and he, he hires uh, assassins that work for meths and he makes whole clones which are cost a whole person's yearly salary so there's money in this but all these people look like regular street trash and he doesn't get caught by cops so he goes to this specially built facility like this isn't like go to 12th and Main at 1pm 
and you're going to be for a fight. No, it's like one place. And he gets all these people together to chant Riker. I wonder if there's like a warm-up uh, guy who's like, all right, guys, today we're doing Riker. Riker's a cop. He's just like the worst guy. So when he gets out of here, just boo him. Just boo him. And there's like a giant chant Riker sign like on the other side of all these little cubicles full of chain link fences. Also, if all these chain link fences are closed off, like how did Bancroft jump from one to the other? I guess there's exits on the side. So he just bought a ticket, found the one where his son was, and then just rammed, rushed through all those people and punched the shit out of his son for some reason. So maybe he got let out of the trunk after the the the, the Japan meeting. So uh, I think I think this guy, the guy's name is Matt Brewer. Uh, he's doing an amazing job as Carnage. I absolutely love this character. I love the style. I love the the look. I love the the way he acts. So apparently they make Rhino Men. That's like a thing. So now we're just doing. I mean, I liked. I thought Attack of the Clones. I'm sorry, Star Wars Attack of the Clones was slightly overrated. Uh, not overrated. It's slightly better than the reputation it gets. It's still schlock. It's still terrible. I feel like somebody wanted to do better in that fight scene. Again, if you're going to block a punch from, like, a big, hulky, genetically engineered dude, like, your leg's got to stand up to it. And what I like about that is that he, he doesn't overhand. She blocks it with her robot arm, and then she goes to her knees. Because, again, her arm can stop it, but her legs have to deal with that kind of weight. Um, it's an advantage for her, because she can put that weight on her legs. And, and they, they kind of depict that, and then uh, he grabs her by the throat, which is like, oh, that's kind of a smart thing for him to do. And then they sort of do like an unspoken teamwork thing where they, they throw the chain around. Uh, it's a good use of teamwork, and again, similar to, but probably better than, the, the monster fight at the end of the Clone Wars. Oh, Carnage is sad that he lost. I always hate that. I guess it's a trope where it's like, oh, we lost the fight, therefore we're going to make it unfair. Like, they did that in Gladiator. I haven't seen Gladiator, but they do it there. So Carnage was sad, but now Dimitri and Takeshi jumps in and starts murdering them, which is like, that's not a, it's not a featured bout. It's not cinematic. And um, Carnage was sad, but then he's happy, so did he not expect this to happen? So, was the plan always for Dimitri to jump in? So I, I like they make the point that Dimitri and Takeshi's body could totally beat the crap out of Takeshi in... I, I, keep, I call him Kovacs when he's in Dick's body. But Kovacs in Dick's body. Even though... Uh, they're both pretty badass. It, I don't... Like, they both have neurochems and combat conditioning and pain reducers. Like, they've all... They, they seem to have the same kind of that bullshit. Um, so then it just comes down to fighting, which I would think Takeshi would be much better at fighting than Dimitri because he's fought in wars and been a rebel and gone through all kinds of training. Dimitri's just some asshole who shoots people. I, I don't, I mean, the alternative is that Takeshi's body is just super badass and awesome, which again, he needle casts a couple times into different bodies, so... Like, that, that wouldn't apply. Like, why could... Takeshi has to be great no matter what body he's in. And therefore, I don't I don't get this at all. <laughs> I 
I like that Ortega puts up a pretty good fight here. Like, it's... There are a lot of times when people have to defend Ortega. Like, it happened in this fight where Ortega got beat up. And, to, and Kovacs had to jump in front of her to be like, Ah, oh, i got to defend a woman. And then, you know, uh, Mahmoud, dad detective, had to do that in the previous game. Uh, previous episode. So, like, I feel like they don't give her a lot to do. But they do give her, like, a good... See, yeah, and then... And then uh, Dimitri in Takeshi is gonna freaking fridge her just for reasons. And and then uh, Kovacs gets like a sudden burst of of um, you know will to fight and then beats him up and he gets stabbed for it. He's stabbed super hard and he punches him in the face a little bit and then stabs him in the neck. And he turns around and he destroys his own clone body. Oh no. And then I do like this bit where he, he kills Dimitri in uh, Takeshi, cuts out his um, st- uh, uh, cuts out a stack, throws it to her, and then she crushes it in her hand, which is exactly the kind of thing you can do with a robot hand. It's great. So now Dimitri's dead. He's been like a villain since day one. And we'll never know what the Mets needed him for. But our heroes have both been poisoned and they're dying in this arena. And Carnage is like, kill them! He does that thing where like the bad guy screams, kill them all! So like, a lot of guards are going to like pour in and shoot them or whatever. So then out an I expected Elliot. I thought Elliot is going to swing in here and like save everybody, but instead we get a goddamn ninja. Fucking hell. I was really helping it was Elliot time. Elliot and Poe were swinging. Boo, 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 boo. And Poe was like, yeah, I got a friend on the inside. And Elliot was going to be like, yeah, I'm a badass after all. So, no, we just get a, like a ninja. It was a ninja because, again, reasons? Can Takeshi do this stuff? I guess Takeshi never had a fucking sword. Or had to fight a legion of dudes with no guns. I think she fights a couple guys with guns because she is hurt at the end of this, which I appreciate. But this is such... What is your issue, lady? (laughs) She's saving you, obviously. Do you think, like, mass murderers suddenly break into super fights? I mean, she's a totally cool ninja here, by the way. There are only two women we haven't seen. Ortega's mom and Quell. And I was really hoping that this was Ortega's mom, but it wasn't. I forgot that Takeshi had a sister. So Sakeshi's sister, and it's a big twist. I w- it would have been great if, if Ortega's mom was a ninja, though. If this is all, like, if I could do a deep fakes thing, I would totally reshoot this entire scene. But at the end, it's Ortega's mom when she takes the hood off. <laughs> It'd be so great. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck this show. 